Support for TPR comes from Texas Mutual Insurance Company, a workers' comp provider committed to helping employers get their people home safely. Preventing workplace accidents protects families and keeps businesses productive. More at TexasMutual.com. From Texas Public Radio, this is Texas Matters, a weekly radio news magazine that looks at the issues, events, and people in the Lone Star State. Today on Texas Matters, he stood up to SB8, performed an illegal abortion, dared people to sue him, and they did. Dr. Alan Braid tells a story. i tell you what I do regret is that I only did that one case. I, I wish I would have just continued my practice, ignored SB8. This is Texas Matters from Texas Public Radio. I'm David Martin Davies. Before the conservative U.S. Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade, Senate Bill 8, also known as the Texas Heartbeat Act, was the toughest anti-abortion law in the country. It bans abortion after the detection of embryonic cardiac activity, which normally occurs after about six weeks of pregnancy. Medically, this isn't an independent heartbeat, but supporters called it that. It was the first time that a state had successfully imposed a six-week abortion ban since Roe v. Wade and the first abortion restriction to solely be enforced through civil lawsuits. There was no criminal penalty for violating SB 8. The enforcement mechanism was allowing members of the public to sue anyone who performs or facilitates an illegal abortion for a minimum of $10,000 per abortion plus court costs and attorney's fees. To many, this appeared unconstitutional on its face, but it went into effect on September 1st, 2021, after the Supreme Court denied a request for emergency relief. That didn't sit well with San Antonio physician Alan Braid. On September 6, 2021, he performed an illegal abortion, and two weeks later, in an op-ed published by the Washington Post, Braid told the world about it, acknowledging that he was opening himself to civil lawsuits related to SB 8. Two days later, the first of multiple lawsuits against Braid was filed. And earlier this month, a judge in San Antonio threw out a lawsuit filed against Braid. The judge said people who have no connection to the abortion and have not been harmed by it do not have standing to bring these lawsuits. I talked to Braid about this and why he did it. I'm not surprised with the outcome. It's, you know, much too little too late unfortunately. But I think that, you know, almost anyone, including, I I mean, I'm not a lawyer, but when I first saw the bill and I I thought this totally unconstitutional, particularly having some someone of no standing to you, it, you know, goes against all civil laws. I understand it. Right. The person was not injured at all. And so he has no standing to sue you. But they thought that they had written a law to work around that. Well, I mean, you can write any kind of law. That's why we have a constitution and and a court system. So you can you can write any law you 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 wish if you get enough votes. That doesn't make it, you know, constitutional or, in fact, the law. I've seen some reporting on this, which is clearly wrong, which is saying that SB 8 has been overturned, which is not the case. No, that's not the case. 
this this judge has set some precedent, however, and that uh, you know if it, if another case, the way I understand this now, again, I'm not a lawyer, you know, it 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 has less meaning right now. You know, we're already out of the state. Women in Texas have to leave the state, whether SBA were overturned or not. So, you know, last year, SBA was a big part of my life. It, it no longer is. And, you know, I certainly don't want to, you know, pay attorney fees to anybody or pay a big fine, but my purpose of announcing the case I did was to get to court to overturn SBA. And, you know, that in reality has, hasn't happened. But I, I, I think it would make it less likely for anyone to file another suit like, but it doesn't overturn it. Doesn't mean they can't. So the Supreme Court, with the Dobbs decision ruling to overturn Roe v. Wade, that made SB eight less, or maybe it made it nothing in in Texas law because now we have an absolute ban on abortion in Texas, with no exceptions for for rape or incest or saving the life of the mother. Is that how you see that? Right. That's right. It's not the overturning of Roe that did that directly. It was the fact that Texas had in place a trigger law that if Roe were to be overturned, then what we have now would become, you know, the, the status of abortion in Texas in that, you know, under no circumstances could you do an abortion. But still, at the time, in the previous legislature, when they passed SB 8, and then it yeah. took, took effect in September of 2021 and became right. the most stringent abortion restriction in the U.S. until the SCOTUS overturning of Roe v. Wade, you were the only one that really stood up and said the emperor has no clothes. This is a sham law. Right. This is unconstitutional. And not only did you say that, but you put your butt on the line. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I thought for good reason, you know, I thought it was outrageous that a law like that would exist. And, you know, I strongly believe that abortion care is part of women's health care, that it's a integral part of health care. And, you know, I ha have always felt that way. And I did what I hoped would have changed things. But, you know, unfortunately, it did not. So a lot of people feel that way. A lot of doctors, abortion yes. providers feel that way. Only you not only continue to violate the law, but then you wrote a confession and published it in the Washington Post. I mean, you were put, you were daring them to come after me. Well, exactly right. I, I, I wanted to be sued because I felt strongly 
that the law was um, egregiously unconstitutional and that it, it had a big impact on women in Texas. You know, the majority of abortions are done in the early first trimester of pregnancy, and that is to say between, you know, six and ten weeks. And, you know, so so we're not talking about a big percentage, but we're talking about a lot of women. And even if it, you know, prevented one woman from getting an abortion, a procedure that she felt, you know, physically, emotionally, mentally necessary to do, you know, I, I, I would take whatever opportunity I could to, to, you know, help that patient. So, Well, you wrote in your Washington Post op-ed that you saw really gruesome tragic results in the early 1970s before Roe of young women who died because they could not obtain a safe legal abortion. That That's correct. I, I was a intern in 1972. I mean, I'm 77 years old, so I've been around a while. And so in 1972, you could go to New York California, Colorado, but in in Texas, uh, you can only have an abortion if it if the health of the mother was in jeopardy. And you know, we we saw I saw three teenage women die from septic abortion. How, how did they obtain those abortions? Was that like locally some back alley abortion? You know, I I don't know. I know that a couple of the two of these women that I'm familiar with that I actually was involved in their care, they sought abortion in Mexico. That experience sounds like it really shaped you having to deal with that. It, it really does scare me for women because I, I think the impact is different a bit this time because back in the 70s and 60s and 50s when all that was going on the abortion pill did not exist so if you couldn't obtain an abortion legally back then you really didn't have a have many good choices, you know, unless you were a person of means and you could get on a plane and go to New York and, you know, it was pretty easy once you were in New York. But now women can, even, even through the mail, I mean, there's all, all sorts of articles about how women can obtain the abortion pill. And so I think we'll see less of that. The women I worry about are the women who are pregnant with a wanted pregnancy and have a complication that their doctor is afraid to take care of because of the law. 
I mean, in Texas, I, I think it's, what is it, a $100,000 fine in life in prison or something like that, or 20 years? or It's life in prison I mean, if you're a doctor who performs abortion. Yeah. yeah. So if you're a young physician, you know, on call in the middle of the night and a patient comes in with a complication of a pregnancy that's non-viable, 18, 19 weeks, but there's a heartbeat. Well, you know, you know what the right thing to do for that patient is, but you can't you can't do it. That's how the the death in Poland happened. That's how the death in Ireland happened. Ha had those women been in a in a country or a state in the United States where abortion was legal, they'd have spent two or three days in the hospital, gone home. Six months later, they could have been pregnant and gone on to have a healthy pregnancy, but they're dead, you know, and that's what's going to happen in this country. Someone within that situation is either going to die or lose their fertility because the doctor could not act. This is Texas Matters from Texas Public Radio. I'm speaking with Dr. Alan Braid, who publicly challenged SB 8 and was sued for performing an illegal abortion. You mentioned the abortion pill, which is available through the mail. It's an FDA-approved pharmaceutical. It's two pharmaceuticals that can be acquired. But yeah. that is the, the, could be the next shoe to drop. Number one, if a conservative becomes president, they could use his executive authority to prohibit the post office from delivering that product. And right. here in Texas, there is a prohibition on obtaining or transmitting that product. There's a question about how well that can be enforced. And that's, right. being, that's being worked out, whether the state of Texas can block that from being delivered in into homes in, in Texas, even though it's through the federal postal service, so that's yeah. that's the next thing. You know, just because no, we have no, the no. abortion pill today doesn't mean we're going to have it tomorrow. Well, you know, the Texas legislature goes into session next year. It's an odd year, and there's no doubt that there will be one or more attempts to block women from leaving the state or obtaining pills by mail. I'm, I'm, I'm sure that is the next round to, you know, now put it on these women that they, they can be in legal jeopardy for leaving the state or obtaining a uh, abortion medication through the mail or however they get it. So there, there is no doubt, you are correct, that that is the next round of idiocy to come out of the legislature. You, as an individual talking to you, you don't sound like a flamboyant, devil-may-care kind of individual. I'm trying to figure out how you, know, you decided that you were going to be the one to put yourself in the center of trying to take down SB8. Did people tell you, you know, please, Alan, don't do this? 
Well, in fact, my wife told me not to do it. And there was no question that that I, I was going to do it. And I, I never I, I, I tell you what I do regret is that is that I only did that one case. I, I wish I would have, in hindsight, just continued my practice, ignored SB8, and maybe there would have been other providers that would have done the same. But for, for other reasons, I, I only announced that case and did to doing that case in order to get sued. And, and, you know, I was hoping to stop SB8, but, you know, it, it, it didn't happen. Did you get a lot of blowback, a battery of hateful emails and phone calls to your, your practice? You know what? Just the opposite. I, I got daily handfuls of letters and cards and matter of fact old college classmates fraternity brothers it's that i haven't seen in years contacted me and and how you know supportive they were it, it was really amazing yeah did i get a few you know are no more than i usually got you know uh Mostly, I mean, from people all over the country, other doctors, nurses, patients with their own story about abortion, it it was remarkable, the response that I did get. And it surprised me. I mean, you know, I I just, I, I I was blown away as to how many people were familiar with that op-ed and had read read it or heard about it. It was just amazing. I have, I, I, I've seen young residents, and when I introduce myself, oh, you're Dr. Braid. And I go, what? <laughs> you know? And so, so really, I think overall the response was very positive. I mean, you know, I don't go on Twitter or Facebook. I'm sure there are lots of negative comments about it and, and about abortion, but, you know, I really don't pay any attention to that. Well, I mean, I can't help but imagine now, with the benefit of seeing how this one lawsuit has worked out for you over SB8, how what would have happened if all the abortion providers had said to Governor Abbott and the Republican-led legislature, this law is bogus, we know it's bogus, we're going to ignore it. We're just going to keep doing what we got to do. But instead, I I can't blame them, but I have to, you know, I'm thinking like, wow, you know, but instead they went to New New Mexico and other places. Well, you know, as I said, that's, a regret that I have that that I didn't just continue on and in and and encourage my colleagues to do the same. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. And uh, hindsight, you know, is a lot easier than 
yeah. trying to figure out what the right thing to do is. We know what the law is. I mean, nowadays we know, have an idea of what the law and the Constitution is, but we don't know what these judges are going to make of it because they seem to be influenced by their political affiliation. Well, I mean, it's hard to call those people judges. But they got the black when, robes. Well, they got the black robes, but when you can predict how they're going to rule and be right most of the time, you know, I, I, I wouldn't call that being an impartial judge. I mean, these people lied at their job interview, for God's sake. So, the Supreme Court justices. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I don't want to get started on the court. I'm yeah. not an expert on the Supreme Court or the judicial system. You know, I just know how it has affected, you know, my daughters and my granddaughters and my patients. So here we have this the abortion law. SB 8 was argued in the Texas legislature. We had Democratic representatives and senators, and they were telling the Republicans, this is not constitutional. This is not going to stand. And just like you recognized, they recognized and they expressed that in these floor debates, yet they passed it overwhelmingly along party lines. And And Governor Abbott signed it with all of this fanfare and now that it's collapsed on itself, showing that this has been bogus the, the whole time, what should people make of that? Well, the fact is, is that it worked. Constitutional, unconstitutional, it from September 2021 until June 24th, women in Texas could only get an abortion if their pregnancy was essentially under six weeks. Even though, I I tell you, the guy that wrote that law knew it was unconstitutional. And I heard him say that he was amazed that doctors didn't ignore it. What's the future of abortion rights look like right now from from your vantage point, given what you've been through over the past couple of years? Well, I don't think much is going to change unless you can get referendum referendums on the ballot box in certain, you know, in more states and let let the let the people that live in that state decide whether abortion should be legal. And but I I mean, there's that, still going to be his states that are going to decide that abortion should not be legal. That And, and there are going to be women in those states that need abortions and who cannot travel outside of the state because of the restrictions and the time and the money that they don't have. I mean, if abortion right. is a right then it should be available. Right. It shouldn't depend on where you live. And I'm not advocating. I don't think abortion should be part of the judicial system at all or the legislature or even the president's purview. It should be up to women and their health care provider, period, all stop. Is that ever going to happen? No. 
that that's never going to be the case. But that's the way it should be. And I don't see another case coming in front of the Supreme Court that would change anything. I don't see the Congress codifying Roe, at least not not in my lifetime anyway. That's not a way to run a country. No. To have our rights dependent upon who, who the nine folks are on the Supreme Court. Right. So you earlier put forth a thought experiment. Like a young doctor, someone calls up, they say they're having problems, they need to have be treated right away, a pregnant person, and if they don't get that, then the, the life of the mother could, could be in jeopardy. If that happened to you today here in San Antonio, you did. There's no option to leave the state to perform this procedure. It had to happen right now, right here. Would you? You know, I, 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 I would hope I would do the right thing for the patient. But that's a that's a situation that doctors are going to have to come to grips with. You know, I don't ever remember in all the years that I practice OBGYN ever having to call the hospital administrator to help me decide what course of action I should take in caring for my patient. And I'm sure that happens more frequently than I'd like to think about. Stuff are happening, things are happening in, in secret, you think? Well, I, you know, I, I can't give you any any specific examples because I, you know, I don't I don't practice obstetrics any longer. But I can tell you in all the years that I did practice obstetrics, about 40 years, those complications walked were not uncommon. I mean, patients uh prematurely rupture membranes, which exposes them to infection. Women have pregnancies with a fetus that has anomalies incompatible with life that are forced to go to term. You know, there's a big psychological element. They're, they're, they're just, you, you, can't, you can't adjudicate how to practice medicine. But but these laws are passed, but life goes on. People get pregnant. Pregnancies yep. go sometimes well, go, I, go badly. Do you think that right now, you don't have to tell me any specifics, but can you tell yeah. me if you're aware of that some that there are doctors who are in secret violating the Texas absolute abortion law right now to save lives? You know, I don't I don't know that. I, I know that there have been patients in Texas that have been transferred out of state for care from from an obstetrical unit. That's got to be Texas. a terrible trip. Of course. And it's dangerous. It's dangerous to have to leave your community to get health care. To get on some sort of air flight to get out of Texas, go to New Mexico for a procedure that could simply be performed right here that would be right. less pain and suffering, less discomfort, 
and, uh, and safer. Right. And, and, you know, if you have to go out of state and then come back and then have a an issue later on and you don't have access to the doctor that took care of your problem, I mean, they're, they're just, you know, just lots of things that aren't right with that and that are dangerous and unnecessary and 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 eventually you know and potentially lethal dr alan braid is a san antonio doctor who provided abortions in texas since 1973 with with the ruling of roe v wade in 2021, he intentionally and publicly violated SB 8, hoping the resulting lawsuits would lead to the overturning of the unconstitutional law. That's it for this edition of Texas Matters. Thanks for listening. I'm David Martin Davies. You can email us at texasmatters at tpr.org. There are past Texas Matters programs to listen to on our website at tpr.org. And you can download and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast. And tune in again next week for another edition of Texas Matters from Texas Public Radio. Support for TPR comes from Texas Mutual Insurance Company, a workers' comp provider committed to helping employers get their people home safely. Preventing workplace accidents protects families and keeps businesses productive. More at TexasMutual.com.